Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Thanks to Inside Golf. Welcome once again to Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. My name's Steve Anderson and I'm here with my good mate, Laz Can, as I like to call him. Mm. Larry Canning. Now, there's someone else he works with who likes to call him Laz Can. Hello, Larry. It's one of my girlfriends, sir. That's your mate, Mika Bucking on uh, Macquarie Sport Radio. Mika and Larry. Is it sports or sport radio? Macquarie Sports, sports radio. radio. Yeah. Yes. No, she's a, she's, a, she's a very, very close friend now. Yeah. And she knows the sport. And it's okay with Sandra, my wife. Everything's fine. She's, Excellent. Sandra's happy with it. We, we can share and, um, and have a wonderful relationship, the three of us. Backspin isn't all about you, Larry. It's oh, not all about sorry. Mika Buck, and it's not all about the two of you. It's about uh, all things golf, and it's all thanks to our good friends at, at Inside Golf. You can pick up the magazine in the clubhouse. They go like hot scones, don't they? You can't get enough of them, Steve. Yeah. I mean, if they're in the, your golf club, in your clubhouse, grab it because it won't be there when you finish your round. And uh, you can read it online. If you miss out on mm. one in the, in the clubhouse, you can read it online. You can actually open it up and it's like you know it's a, the electronic version of the actual it actually makes magazine. a sound with the it does. page yeah. yeah yeah they've got that's richard fellner the editor sits there when he's proofreading it <laughs> and he, he flicks the page and as he flicks the page on the screen he goes <laughs> and over it goes what are we talking about today we're going to talk with a bloke from walkinshaw sports australia mark rosell yep and mark's the um, under armor sales director for walkinshaw sports here in australia under armor is a, a relative we, we keep saying it's relatively new in the in the world of sports apparel there are some really big names but Under Armour's really established itself in a short period of time as one of the leaders and good gear too. Yeah, it's, it's become one of the biggest brands in the world, Steve. And, and there's a couple of big brands that have been around a long time which have dominated yeah. this market and, and suddenly Under Armour has appeared and threatened them, them all with their magnificent products, golf shoes, gloves, shirts, pants, you know, socks, everything, yeah. caps, hats. Yeah, and they're really the company's really being proactive with golf clubs around Australia as well. They've got a new program that we're going to talk some more about with Mark Rosell in the program yeah, later. Yeah, just golf. Golf clubs only, yeah. Green grass, they call it, yeah, which is pro shops and golf clubs. And uh, you've got a, a tip today as well? Yeah, don't waste your practice swing, Stevie. Yeah. Do you ma- you ma- see people it, doing this all the oh, time, don't you? every day. You know, I see it every single time I play around a golf with people that aren't professionals. I see a wasted practice swing, and I just want it to stop, Stephen. Okay. It has to stop. We'll talk some more about that later. You're going to spit. You've got to be... I mean, we're, we're, in, we're in major season at the moment. Mm. Um, with three majors out of the way already and um, the next one up being, of course, um, the Open. And you want to have a bit of a spit about the modern major, as you've called it. The modern major champion, Steve. Yeah. Seems to be a template. It's been created by the way golf courses are set up for majors. Right. Uh, and the result of the way they're setting these courses up is is the is the Brooks Kepkers of the world and Dustin Johnsons of the world who have just become the template for what you have to be to win a major. And I, I don't believe it's right. Yeah, it has okay. to stop, Steve. We want people to win a major that don't hit the ball 500 miles. Is it even likely to happen? Let, you know, let's, let's leave it. Let, yeah, let's let let's you spit later on. store it up. And you're not spitting. You saw Brooks Kepka spitting the other day. Oh, I mean, your spit man. in the past has been about Brooks Kepka and his spit. On the course, oh, this thing fell out of his gob. It was the size of my computer, Stephen. I heard it hit the ground. Did it was you? That big yeah. from here? Yeah, from mm. Australia. All right, spit coming up later on. What else have we got? We're going to talk to Gary Barter. Yeah, well, yes, we definitely going to be talking to Gary <laughs> at some point. It's yeah. been a while. We talk to Gary every now and then. He's your coach, of course. He doesn't uh, admit to that, and he tells me I'm not allowed to tell anyone that. That's okay, well, we just told everyone. We always tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. well, you but, know, he's he's there every every great coach has a. As an issue uh, student, and uh, that's me, pupil. And yeah. 
He's been at Pebble show. Beach. Yes. For the yes. US Open. There's nothing like getting the uh, the bird's eye take on what it's like to be there, particularly a place like Pebble Beach. Oh, it looks unbelievable on TV, doesn't it, that place? I'd love to hear Gary's thoughts on the US Open and the golf course. And can anyone just play this thing? I mean, is it, it, it looks terrifying to me. Yeah. All right. We'll find out more. We'll ask Gary, is it as terrifying as Larry's led to believe by looking at it on TV? We'll do that in Backspin later in the program. And, of course, Larry, US Open, your thoughts on that one? I reckon, well, Gary Woodland, for a start, the winner, uh, finished up winning by three strokes, had uh, at one stage a one-shot lead during that final round. And that one-shot lead was in front of the most feared player in the world at the moment in Brooks Kepka. And yet Gary showed rocks bigger than I thought he had. Um, he showed more courage than a lot of players and a lot of people thought he, he, he possessed. And he got, he got the job done. Not only did he do that, but he, he played those last few holes beautifully and played a couple of the most magnificent little pitch chip shots one from the actual green on the 17th over the top of a corner of a bunker onto the same green, roll it to within a foot of the hole and, and made three. So this guy's around to stay. And uh, he's been a great player. He's been a wonderful talent for a long time. But yeah, he's, he's now shown that he's gone to that next level. It's interesting for me when I see, Steve, that we have Australians, uh, Jason Day, Adam Scott, and back to the days of Greg Norman. Now, these guys had so many chances to win majors. Day and Scott won one Shark won two. I think Shark had like 15 top fives or something. And I know he led all four in the last round. You feel kind of ripped off when you're an Aussie. This is going to sound a little weird. When you see a guy like Gary Woodland and another guy, Jimmy Walker, who won the USPGA Championship, his best finish before that point in a major was about 10th. And he had one chance, he won it. Gary Woodland gets one chance, he wins it. But that's just golf, I guess. I think Tiger Woods has a bit of kryptonite. We've found there's a bit of a flaw, and it's the temperature. At the moment, his body is that beaten up that when he gets cold, he doesn't play as well. And, and that's going to sound a little weird as well, but I'm going to throw that out there. And the third thing and the final thing I'll say about the US Open, Steve, US Open stats hit a fairway and the US Open means nothing. Hit the ball the furthest of everyone, and that means everything. And if you can hit the ball in the rough and consistently hit it onto the green out of the rough, which the strong guys can do, the Woodlands, the Dustin Johnsons, and um, and of course Brooks Kepkers, then you win. That's the new model for the major champion for 2019. I think that's a little sad, but I guess we just have to get used to it. Larry, any thoughts on this revised program for the, the majors this year? You know, they're, they're much more concertinaed, I suppose, uh, with the Masters and then the PGA, which used to come last, sandwiched in between uh, the Masters and the Open. What do you think? Oh, I think it works, Steve. I don't mind it. I, yeah. I think it's, it's a great thing. I think it uh, condenses it four months in a row. We're in major mode for those four months, and then, you know, we can move on and, and do the I guess the Americans want to feature their FedEx Cup, of course. That's the, the thing that um, propels the American tour these days and in terms of money. So they have to focus on that. But yeah, no, I think it's it's fine. I always, we've had this discussion, you and I, a number of times over a couple of beers and even over a couple of coffees or whatever we're having, Steve. But the fact that three of the four majors are American, I'm not a fan and I'd love to see the PGA. And it was talked about some years ago that the US PGA moving around the world, becoming the PGA, not just the US PGA. But what tournaments would be contending? No, the, the actual PGA Championship. Oh, okay, the right. The tournament. Right, okay. Moving that around the around world. The world. Was, there was talk of it some years ago. The US PGA Tour were going to do it. They were going to, once every, I think they were talking every six years, they were going to move it to another country. China, obviously one of the choices. Australia was an option. Europe, I think more Asia Pacific would be the go because we don't have a major. We have the Australian Tennis Open, which is a Grand Slam. So I think it would be a great place to have a, a major. And, and of course, you know, sponsorship and selling it, it's a worldwide event. It's covered by TV, there's tens and tens of millions of people that watch it, so it wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. 
doing that. And we have some of the great golf courses in, in the world here in Australia, don't we? But it would appear that the only reason anything will change at any time is if it's a change that is done to suit the PGA Tour, as is the case this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, and, and it is a shame. I mean, yes, they've moved the PGA to May um, to fit into their FedEx Cup schedule, which is, again, you know, it's a shame that it, you know, a major can be just played with commercially by the Americans instead of it being a worldwide event like a French Open tennis or a Wimbledon or, you know, Australian Open. Tennis have the perfect arrangement as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I'd love to see golf do the same thing. Tim Fincham, the previous CEO of the PGA Tour in America, started this this thought that there could be the PGA could be moved around the world, the PGA Championship. And now Jay Monaghan has taken over and it just seems to have been put to bed, which is a terrible shame. I, I hope that there's enough pressure from the world of golf, not just American golf, uh, that we can get a major, and it, this is the perfect opportunity to, to, to move the PGA Championship around and have it a worldwide event, a worldwide tour, not just an American. It's interesting you mentioned the tennis Grand Slam events and I think if you even go back maybe 25 years, the Australian Open wasn't as, you know there was talk about it not being a Grand Slam mm. event anymore and Tennis Australia got stuck into it and built it into an event that they don't want to miss. The players mm-hmm. love it. and It the, was already a major crowds, though. I mean, it, it was, was a already, much easier yeah, gig was, to do but, that, yeah. just to resurrect a major sure. than create one. Create one, yeah. 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 But um, interesting, you never know. Highly unlikely that anything will change, but uh, you yeah. never know. Yeah, well, Jay Monaghan might be moving on soon. <laughs> Someone else might come in and resurrect Tim Fincham's thoughts that the majors should be spread more around. Yeah, okay. Do you and Mika talk about this sort of stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Mika, Sandra and I, the three of us. Yeah, no, we often talk. We chat about lots of things, so I can't talk about many of them on air but righto lascan let's leave it at that this is backspin thanks to inside golf more in a moment the backspin interview thanks to inside golf this is backspin thanks to insidegolf.com.au and let's talk about under armor because under armor is a company that over a, i think larry it's fair to say over a relatively short period of time has established itself as one of the world's leading golf uh, let's not limit it to golf leading sports apparel companies and uh, they're working very closely with the golf industry in Australia. To tell us a bit more about what Under Armour is doing uh, both around the world and in Australia is the Under Armour Sales Director from Walkinshaw Sports for Australia, Mark Rosell. G'day, Mark. Morning, guys. How are you? Very well, mate. Mark, tell us a bit about Under Armour. I mean, it, it is, to say it's relatively new is a fair statement. And to make the impact that you've made with iconic brands like Adidas and Nike and, you know, competing at a fair level with them is uh, it's an extraordinary journey. Isn't it? Absolutely right. The uh, the brand has only been in operation for 23 years, so the job they've done to come from that position to what they are now, which is number three globally, has been a it's been a runaway success, and, and certainly compared to the other more established brands that have been around for 70, 80 years, it's been a, a terrific story. Starting in the Baltimore head office in the US, and, and now rapidly expanding through Asia Pacific, and of course including us here in Australia. And of course, in the world of golf, uh, you've got a, a pretty significant figure flying the flag for you, and he has done for a number of years actually in Jordan Spieth. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the brand and Jordan got together when he was he was very young, and they took a, a really significant punt on him, and his progress has been outstanding. It's good to see the last three majors. His uh, results are starting to creep back up there. I'm sure he and, and everyone would like them to be, which has been great. But you know, his achievements for such a young golfer comparatively have been been fantastic, and he's certainly a uh, a wonderful brand ambassador for the brand and, and a much loved and respected figure globally so it's been a terrific alignment it really is a good one that one what about australia how long have you been going in australia we're coming up to 12 months so um we have a, a green grant exclusive 
program, so we don't supply to any of the off-course retailers, and, and that's a, a really key part to the Under Armour strategy. So they've engaged the Walker Shore Sports team for yeah, just just nearly 12 months as we speak at the moment. So we're uh, we're really happy with how the launch has been. It's been uh, really successful. We've got a, a really strong national footprint, and we're starting the journey and, and working closely with the retailers to make this a success long term. Just for the listeners' sake, Mark, green grass means the pro shop at a golf club, doesn't it? Absolutely, pro shop at a golf club. So exclusive to clubs, and, and it's just great to have a program that's been exclusive, you know, to the club and the club golfer and the, the members as the consumer. And it's something that's been a, a really pivotal part of the of our original success. So it's um, that's the definition. The other side of um, particularly sports apparel these days is the work that goes into the development of whether it's a, a new um, pair of shoes, whether it's a, a you know a shirt that's got great breathability and and you know gives you great movement when you're on the course, those sorts of things. That's what I've noticed about Under Armour. The Under Armour products that I've used or bought, they're just really, really comfortable pieces of gear. It's obvious that the work really goes in to that side of it as well. Absolutely. The innovation and technical aspect of the apparel and that, that runs through to footwear and their accessories as well. It's, it's really the, the whole DNA of the brand. It's what they're known for and it's what they've hung their hat on. You know, all of the success of the brand in that short period of time has been based about making products that have got great innovation and, and really fit for purpose. And as we know in golf, there's been a lot of apparel that, that has been a little bit heavy and a little bit clumsy to wear and, and hasn't had those performance elements. So these guys have turned it on its head and again, been a big platform on how they've reached the success they have in a short period of time. Have you got a new product you're about to launch? You know, there's new and exciting stuff coming out from from the Under Armour Global team every season. You know, we bring out four new drops a year. To answer your question, absolutely, we've got a, a clean new range of footwear coming out. We have men's and we have our ladies and youth programs that have been expanded on. They've only been in the market for the last six months. And, you know, in terms of fabrications and so forth, there's the tech stories coming out constantly from the team at Under Armour. All right, mate, website? au. Or go yeah, into, your, into your pro shop. How many pro shops are you working with? Oh, look, we've got well over 200 customers at the moment that are actively purchasing Under Armour. So, um, as I said, it's been a, a really good national footprint and we'll be expanding that as we get into the second half of this year. But, but really good coverage from, you know, far northern Queensland down to Tasmania. And, and really importantly, we've got a great coverage of, you know, clubs, clubs that are... You know, this is a program that is certainly a mass market program with the, the pricing and barriers to entry. It's, it's not something that's yeah. just exclusive for the top end of town. It's, there's really something for everyone. Yep, which is uh, particularly important in this day and age. Thank you, mate. Thank uh, you for uh, filling us in on the Under Armour story and, and what you're doing in Australia as well. And we'll talk again in the future. No problem. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Th- thanks, Mark. Thanks to Inside Golf. This is Backspin with Larry Canning and Steve Anderson. Gary Barder is one of the most respected golf coaches in the world. His players have won in Europe, Asia, Japan, America. If there's another tour, I've forgotten, they have won on that as well. He sees the best players, golfers, playing the best courses, and he is right there at Pebble Beach last week for the US Open. Gary Barter, welcome to Backspin, mate. How are you, mate? Good. Now, Gaz, the course setup, USGA have been smashed, haven't they, belted over the last couple of attempts they've had at setting up a golf course that was something resembling fair. Pebble Beach seemed to be fairer, was it, or was it just the fact that the weather just lied down and let them carve it up? Oh, it was definitely fair. Like, obviously, the US Open, as you and I would remember, it was just a, always a setup that was premium accuracy, like very tight fairways, very thick rough. And as you said, they were under a lot of pressure 
after the last few attempts to sort of present a golf course with that US Open tradition and there's no doubt about it. Like being there, they definitely got it right. They probably it was playing a little softer earlier in the week, but it definitely showed its teeth uh, Saturday and Sunday. Did you see what happened with Gary Woodland? Did you see that coming? Did anyone see him winning the Open before it started? I think there's so many good players and uh, obviously a guy like Woodland, you'd look at him in, like in the second tier. Like he's always not mentioned with the Adam Scott, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Koepka, Mickelson, etc. But the reality is, is that Woodland, when he first turned pro, I think he lost to Jonathan Vegas at Palm Springs in like his first PJ Tour event. He was seen as a modern player back in the day where he hit it absolutely miles, had great touch. It's like at 35, he sort of found his feet. The reality is uh, he's got a lot of games. So he's got a lot of respect inside the ropes with the players. That week, you know, he definitely showed that he was obviously asked a lot of questions in the last round. He could answer them. And, you know, he, he really got it done. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You can't fake it. You can't get it in the clubhouse in a major without having a lot of quality. And he definitely had a lot of quality, noted about it. I was saying earlier, Gary, not being unfair to a guy player like Gary Woodland, but he gets one chance. His record in, in majors is, is reasonably bad. I mean, his best effort was sixth, and I think that was last year in the PGA. And he's played a lot of them. He gets one chance and he wins. And I was just saying earlier to Steve how you get a, a Jason Day who's had, I think, nine top fives. Adam Scott, I think something similar. Greg Norman had 16 top fives. Now, between those three players, there's only four major wins. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, like you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't wipe your betting man because nah. you look at form and you look at, if you look at his history, not about it, you would say that it'd be hard to understand. But you know what? As a golfer, that week where you've got your A game, you know, you know where it's going. And he definitely had his game face on. It was just his time. There's no doubt about it. Mm. And, but you can't, like, pebble. It's not one of those courses where you can sort of, like, you know, manage at home and steer it around. Like, you've definitely got a place in golf, and he showed that. Is it as scary as it looks on TV? It's very, very tactical golf course. So there's no doubt about it. You can see with Woodland's length, he could hit a lot of irons. He could position the ball. But his short game was stunning. Mm, uh, mm. Kepka's short game was stunning. Yep, and that, yep. that's definitely undervalued. I think looking at it, there's no doubt about that part of it. Even though the modern game, everyone talks about the length and everyone how far everyone hits it. Woodland's short game was phenomenal. It held up under yeah, pressure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he showed that on that pitch on the 17th green, literally onto the green, from the oh, green. How tight? I mean, that's a tough shot to hit, isn't it? Yeah, in a practice round. In sort of golfing terms, that's like as tough as you you can hit a golf shot under mm, pressure. Like mm. to uh, hit that shot at that time, that will definitely go down as one of the great shots. Brooks Kepka, Gary, a couple of sentences on what we're watching. History's being made with this guy. Tell us your version of Brooks Kepka. What do you think? He just has great belief. He said something very, very insightful. He was interviewed before the last round. I'm not sure who interviewed him. It was either Brandel Shanley or it might have been Frank Nobolo. But he was asked what he had to do, and he said, I don't have to do anything. I've just got to go and play golf. And they pressed him again. He said, look, I've, I don't have to do anything. And I think he just has a belief that what he's got, if he can just hang in there, you know, things will fall into place. Obviously, that philosophy's worked for him. But his golf under pressure, and the shot he hit into 18, the golf he played in the last round, it was just as good as you would see from Nicholas Watson, Palmer, all the great, great players that have played the game. He can definitely step up when you need to step up. And that part, you can't coach that part. 
It's just something that's inside them, and he has whatever that is. I was going to ask you what that is, but is he being trained mentally? Is he the new model for mental approach to the game? Is that what's missing when we talk just you know, a second about Greg Norman with 16 opportunities to win majors and finish up winning two? Is it because of the mental strength? Is that is that the reason why? I can't imagine, we're both playing the tour, with Norman, how anyone could hit the ball that good. I can't imagine that Brooks Kepka actually hits the ball better than Greg Norman did. Oh, look, I don't think anyone could have hit it better than Norman. I, I really don't. Like, but Norman, again, Norman was very comfortable. It's interesting how you look at the history of the game. You look at someone like Norman, how he could lead an Australian Open and he would feel no pressure. Mm-hmm. He could win a tour event, feel no pressure. But obviously in the majors where he wanted it so badly, it challenged him, his anxiety levels. Mm. And for some reason, Kepka has this ability to feel comfortable in the most toughest conditions and we're all measured by it. I suppose if you're measured by, you know, the history of the game and the Hall of Fame players, they're measured by how many majors they win. And Nicholas was always famous for saying that, you know, he would play and the others would be more scared of him mm-hmm. with six holes to go and he would feel more comfortable in that environment. Yep. And Kepka's found a way to be unbelievably comfortable in the most strict pressure conditions and that's a big value. That's something that obviously there's Telling very few players in the history of the game being able to find that place. Oh, very, very few. Yeah, We're talking very, very on, on your hand. It. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, Matt had a practice round with Adam Scott, their mates. They often have practice rounds yep. before the US Open started. Uh, we saw Adam Scott contending that last round, but hit a, hit a dreadful drive on third end and finished up finishing, I think, fourth. How's Adam playing? If, if the Australians are, are, are wanting a major champion. Gaz, is Adam our next major champ? He looks unbelievable. He's like the perfect-looking racehorse, like walking around, ready to go into the race. Like, he does everything well. There's no, there's no weakness to him. He's, he he's looks pretty, perfect, doesn't he? I mean, he, he, he's, he's got a perfect face. He's got a perfect shoes. He's, my he God. He looks good. He actually looks too good. Yeah, he looks too good. Have I taken that a step too far? Like I'm waiting yeah. for the restraining order guys to come no, it's, it's like No, it's like he's not real. It's like yeah. he's, he's made out of wax. Yeah, exactly. It's like he's, he looks amazing. His golf swings are made. Mm. He wouldn't have missed a shot in the practice round. Yep. And maybe he wants it too badly. Even, I was thinking about it, he did hit that out of bounds, which is so uh, unlike him. And maybe he was trying to cut a tee shot into that 13th hole. I'm not quite sure. But I even thought then he would have had to shoot 10 under the last round anyway. Yeah, yeah. With Gary Woodland having a tee shot lead playing the last, we're not really going to know, are we? If someone posted 11 under you're right you're right yeah uh, you're right scotty was definitely in a position to put some heat on him there's no doubt about it and he he would have been terribly disappointed there's no doubt about it and he he really did well he really played that front nine the last round he did all the things you would need to do but as you said when he gets to that point where those questions get answered he definitely battles a little mm. bit there's no doubt about it we've seen it before the british open when he when he dropped the last four holes to lose by a shot gary um just finally, the British Open's coming out soon. We'll, hopefully, we'll be having a talk to you. Are you going to the British Open? Not at this stage. I've got Jimmy Papadopoulos who I teach. Ah, yes, yes. So he's looking forward to playing. He's been he's been over there. He's already played a couple of practice rounds last ah, month. Right. He said the course is obscenely long. Oh, um, no, really? Yeah. He said it's obscenely long, and he said it's tight, and there's no doubt about it. It's going to be really, really tough. I think Graham McDowell is a member of that golf yeah, course. Yeah, He's got himself a start. Um, through his finish in the Canadian Open. Yeah. But again, it looks like Kepka. I'm not sure how Tiger's going to go. Tiger looked pretty dusty yeah. when I was over there. Uh, I heard he wasn't well. Right. Uh, I'm not sure in what capacity, but he didn't look great hitting the golf ball when I was watching him on the range. You know, he still sort of had a reasonable finish. Jason Day, did you get a chance to have a look at Jason striking on the, on the, on the golf course? <sighs> I didn't see Jason hit a shot, but I did 
speak to him for like one minute with Steve Williams. And right. obviously Steve was on the bag and just from what I heard, I think Steve's trying to sort of get him refocused. But he's got to find something. He's got to get his mojo back. Gary, thanks for having a talk to us, mate. And uh, your insights at uh, Pebble Beach. Hopefully we'll all get a chance to play there one day and uh, without a scorecard. Thanks, Gary. All right, mate. Okay, thank you. He's only here to help the world play better golf. So settle back and enjoy this tasty tip from Larry Canning on Backspin. Thanks to Inside Golf. Larry, you get a bit frustrated sometimes when you are playing with uh, various people and they have a practice swing and, you know, you're boiling inside, aren't you? Why is that? Steve, because it's a, it's a non-productive practice swing. It's just a swing that they think they have to do before they hit a golf ball. Whereas I believe a practice swing should be a rehearsal of what you're actually trying to do with a golf ball. So I think the, the time that it really annoys me is when I see it done with an iron shot from the fairway. Yeah. Big, lovely big practice swing. The club hits the ground at whatever point on the ground and then follow through and then they, they finish and look, you know, where the ball should be going. Then they go into the golf ball. But in essence, the, the practice swing particularly with an iron shot, the club should be hitting the ground at the right point. And, and you and I have talked about this a lot. If the golf ball isn't struck before the ground, the golf shot will not be a good shot. Mm. So when you're taking a practice swing, I honestly believe that you should hit the ground at the point where you're supposed to, not just take a big practice swing and hit the ground a foot behind where the ball would be. That's pointless. So I would suggest to golfers of all levels, when you're taking a practice swing, don't take a great big full swing and finish and, and you know, like you t- someone's taking a photo of your swing. Hit the ground where you want to hit the ground. So the focus, if you so, are going to have a practice swing, the focus should be on that, that spot on the ground. Impact. Yeah. The impact position that you want the club to be striking the ground, which is just in front of the golf ball. So take a much shorter swing, even a little chip swing, and just hit the ground where you want to hit the ground where you should hit the ground, so the golf ball, if it was there, would be a good shot. Don't just take a big, pretty ballet dancing practice swing. What about on the tee? You've got the driver in your hand, you have a practice swing, same thing? Well, I, I would actually, yeah, I would I would sit a tee if you're going to do it. If, you, if, you, if you're really serious about it, I'd sit a tee in the ground if you're waiting for your, your, your playing partners to hit, have a practice swing and just clip the tee with your club. So you're actually hitting the, the, the point where the ball would be. You're not just taking a big swing for no reason. Yeah. Someone told me if the, you know if there are leaves on the... On the uh, on the tee, just yeah. pick a leaf and and you know aim to aim to make that leaf move. Yeah, okay, yeah, yep, that's good. I think it's more about if you can condense this practice swing into a little swing. Yeah, and just make the club travel the path it's supposed to travel on. Yeah, so you're you're programming where you want that impact position to be. Yeah, it's not Swan Lake. You know, you're not a ballet it's dancer. Not. It doesn't have to look good. God, I've played with some ballet dancers in my days. Too. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Rudolph Nureyev, one of my very good player. Terrible practice swing. Pointless it was, it was useless. What about your friend Mika? Have you played golf with Mika? You don't <laughs> even know like it, do you? You've only spoken with her on the phone. <laughs> I know Mika like you can. Come oh, on. Yeah, no, Mika and All I, we're special. Revealed. Special relationship. We'll get Mika on the show one day and get her to clear a few things no, up, I think. Then she might see me for real. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. Listen, uh, that's a really good tip. I like that one and I'm going to use that one too. Um, when I'm up at the, I think I'll use that when I'm up at the, my, my favourite practice range up at um, Kingcumber, the driving range up there. Yeah. One of your old mates, Lee Akers. Oh. Oh yeah, wow! What's yeah? What a shame that's happening up there, Steve. But oh, anyway. he's, he's having having a bit of a struggle with. I think I, I know. I don't know the details, so I won't talk too much about it. Um, but it's it's some sort of bureaucratic um, yes, yes. Uh, difficulty at the moment. But gee, it's a good facility. It's you a know? beauty, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's been there a, little, a while now. It but has. It's a, yeah. it's a beautiful place too, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, he's a good business person. He's he's, he's doing a good job there, but yeah. uh, what a, it's a shame. Good on you, Lee. You've got a great spot there, mate, and I hope things... Got some um, good specials up there, Steve. Yeah, on, I think on, they're nearly gone. I got in there the other day and picked up a nice little wedge. Did you? Yeah, um, but yeah, some great specials. I'm not sure how... I mean, you know, people might be listening to this show in 2024, and I think... <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee's, uh, Lee's sale will be well and truly over by then But anyhow, good on you mate um, Now, your spit of the week uh, It's not a Brooks Kepka type spit It's about the modern major champion Well it kind of is a Brooks Kepka type yeah, spit yeah. Without the he, actual He does come spit. into it, yeah Because I, I believe that the, the modern major champion, Steve Has become a template it's been created by the way golf courses have been set up for US Opens and for uh, US PGAs, and we've seen it this year, where golf courses are just, the fairways are narrowed down to like 25 metres, the rough has three or four different cuts, the first and second cuts, a big, strong, the mighty Thor-type player, which is which is a Brooks Kepka, can hack it out of that stuff and hit it on the green and backspin it. Yeah. Whereas the, the orthodox-type player, the Francesco Molinari's, uh, of the world, uh, and he's a great um, example of an all-around golfer who who does everything right. You know, he's a beautiful player, beautiful swing, hits a lot of great shots at the right times, great under pressure. But he plays a golf course like the PGA Championship, which was played last month at Bethpage. Yeah, I mean that golf course, he couldn't win on that. You know, and I just wonder, he's a, he's a current major champion, won the British Open. Um, on a golf course which was baked hard, so it wasn't anything to do with distance. It was about the, the the full gambit of what you need to be a great golfer, and he won there. But he couldn't win at, at Bethpage. I just wondered why the people that set these courses up haven't factored in um, that they're creating the Brooks Koepkas and the Dustin Johnsons, and, and they were first and second at Bethpage. I'd like everyone to have the same chance, Steve. I'd like the, the, the players that don't hit the ball as far as these guys aren't as strong as these guys weren't born six foot five, um, they can go. To the, the smaller guys can go to the gym and be strong, of course. But I don't want the major champions to be the stereotypical Iron Man or the mighty Thor. I want them to be a full-rounded golfer. Is it a conspiracy? Is it an, an American-based conspiracy when you use names like Brooks Kepka, who's had an outstanding record in majors in recent times, and, and Dustin Johnson? Are they setting it up for a couple of the big Americans to win rather than a, a, a little bloke from Italy? Is it a, who's a magnificent? <laughs> who is a magnificent golfer? An American conspiracy. Yes, let's go with that, Steve. Yes. You, well, it's you know <laughs> Donald Trump. It's his fault. The whole thing. Trump. Trumpy. Trumpeter. Uh, is is that a possibility or no? No, I don't think so, mate. No. No, no, I think it's just happened because I think they've got it back to front. I think when Tiger Woods started winning in the early nineties, there was talk of Tiger proofing golf courses, so they'd lengthen them out more yeah. and more and more, bring the rough in, and, and all they were doing was creating the Tiger stereotypical major champion. They were expanding on it. I think the point that uh, at some point the, the USGA, and I'm obviously targeting that particular organisation, didn't really understand what they needed their role in promoting the game, keep, keeping the game of golf alive. Yeah. Um, so the, the, their focus has become... Too narrow. Yes. And as a result of their focus becoming too narrow and too insular, a certain type of player... Yeah, has has become the the, the best, number one and two in the world. And you don't like that? I hate it. All right. So you went the long way around saying that. Did I? (laughs) It was good. That was interesting. It was a good discussion. Larry, thank you for that. Thank you for your spit. Do a you pleasure. think anyone will take any notice? You Absolutely never know. Absolutely not a soul. You never know. We'll listen to, to me. Mika no, will. No Mika will. Oh, Mika will. Yeah, yeah. Mika and Sandy. Yeah, the three of us yeah. will sit down and have a little yarn about it. Thank you, mate. Nice Italian. This has been Backspin. Thanks nice to Inside Golf. Nice Larry. Red. Nice rosé. We will um, talk to you again soon, maybe. Absolutely, Stephen. Let's go. Good on you, mate. Talk soon. Talk soon.